0: Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it. And if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. However, today, it is not with both my brother Cade and dad Randy. Just Randy. Cade is not with us.
1: (laughs) Physically.
0: Yeah, he is not, <laughs> not. Well, it's not that he's no longer with us. He's he's just not well, that, currently That's true.
1: He's, with just, us. he's under yeah, the weather. Yeah, it's a
0: different way of saying that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know what's going on around where you're at, but there's a lot of, like, stomach-like virus going on around here.
0: Oh, no. I think allergies, we got seasonal. It got warm, and then we got that, like, I hope, cross my fingers, that last Snow for a few days, and then it's getting warm again. I don't know we'll we're in
1: that phase too. It's supposed to snow tomorrow, and then we go back up into the fifties and so
0: well, you kind of stated that there's so much going on. it's such a mess that you don't even know where to start and what to do and what to talk about.
1: yeah, I just feel like the last week's uh news cycle has just been. A bombardment of one thing after another and it's uh just demonstrating to me you know it, it, unfortunately um everything I see just confirms and compounds the concerns that I already have and I don't really want to be that way um I, I'm thinking about our country in a way that I I never did for you know 60 plus years um and it's just like reality is kind of in your face every day that um, what we always painted as an America that we lived in is not really um, the country that we thought that it was i mean the um the, the, the foundation of our country, the constitution and all that I mean those ideals and those principles um, I, are still obviously in place, but we are not we are not being governed by them any longer
0: right it's only worth it it's only. The document is only worth the extent to which it's followed.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things that really I mean, there's been many, many things, but just one that really hit me hard um when I saw this report that came out yesterday, uh, in Victoria Newland confirming that we are uh in some way and you know, there's all kinds of different um ways of explaining it or phrasing it. But in some manner, we are involved in biological research in laboratories in the Ukraine, which was something that had been fact-checked prior to that is not true. And you start digging into that a little bit more, and you just—I I just came away with feeling um, the people that are doing all of this—it's just—it's um, just not right. It's and it's evil when we're just being lied to, and this is supposed to be a republic. Um, you know, by the consent of the govern, um, and that we set the tone and the direction for the country that we want it to go, and we fund it, and then you find the people that we have put into office are just uh, operating completely outside the bounds of what this the people of this republic would want to happen.
0: Yeah, I had heard just a little about the Ukrainian bio labs thing, but I didn't get a lot of detail or really get a grasp on it.
1: Well. I don't think you can get a lot of detail and that's another thing we just reiterate everything coming out of Ukraine you just don't know what to believe there's so much propaganda coming out of there but the biolab issue has the fact that they exist and were involved was confirmed by Victoria Nuland uh, under oath being questioned by Marco Rubio where right up until that moment that she just came out and stated it it had been being denied and fact-checked as false, and then she just says it. So is it, is, it, um, is it research? Is it development? Is it medical? Is it um, bioweapons? I mean, all those things are being debated, and we don't have a clear answer. The clear answer we have is we are involved in it, and they wanted to kept, keep that hidden.
0: Instead of the Wu flu, are we going to get the You flu?
1: <laughs> I'll have the same response to it. If it's a yeah. virus, I'll have the same response to it I had with with COVID. <laughs> yeah. It's a virus, and it's going to virus because that's what viruses do.
0: Well, speaking of being lied to, also the Gen Saki just coming out and blaming the oil prices completely on Putin and Russia, when in reality, they've been increasing long before Putin invaded Russia. And it really goes back to the left and just the push for green, like the Green New Deal and green energy and all of that started raising the prices of oil already.
1: Yeah, I heard uh, Biden when asked about it, um, was it yesterday or the day before? He said, not much I can do. It's Russia. I, I can't imagine any former uh, American president giving that type of response. And just so ultra simplifying something and then blaming it on somebody else and saying I'm the president of the most powerful um, country in the world and I have no ability to do really anything about it. That right there is somewhat illustrative of how these people view us as the world's leader. Um, You know, we we should just be as impotent as everybody else. The problem is, is that when America is impotent, um, the world suffers. It is to the world's advantage for us to be a strong, healthy, leading country.
0: Yes, but I was thinking about this. Did you get a ch- listen to that podcast I sent with Justin Haskins talking about how this ties in with the Great Reset or how there's some overlapping?
1: Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I Honestly, I forgot about it, but I, I'm pretty sure I know where you're headed.
0: Yeah, well, the thing when I, when I was thinking about what we had talked about the last couple episodes about – America needs to become the superpower again and act like it and just take charge and you know do this. But that's never going to happen because the also our leadership that's you know in bed with the great reset and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. The in order for what they want to happen, the great reset, America can't be, there can't be one superpower.
1: Right. If the Great Reset happens, then yes, the the idea of America uh, we're
0: watching it happen. It's happening. Right.
1: It, unless it's stopped. But if it if it moves forward, then yes, you're correct. We cannot be the world superpower. Um there in fact there will not be a national world superpower. There will be a class of elites that are the world superpower, and they, you know, they are they flow from all countries. However, it can be stopped if we Somehow managed to get back into office people who understand what's going on and they understand the value of America. America has the power with the right people leading it to reassert itself. It's not completely lost in that manner. Um, and that's why I keep saying again and again, November is going to tell us a lot of where we go moving forward, who gets elected. But I, I think that we as a country, we have the ability to turn this around depending on who's leading it. I hope so. And I want to tie this in with the whole. Idea, what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and and getting in bed now with um, China, we are dry. We have yeah. we have driven Russia and China together,
0: closer together. Where it yes. always used to be, we're empowering China through this as well. Right,
1: we always used to be. The policy was to keep them apart, rather than having two large communist powers working together. We wanted to keep them divided. Well, we've driven them into the arms of China, and you can put all the sanctions you want on Russia. If China can funnel them whatever they need, then it's pretty meaningless. Uh, another big problem with that is uh, China, along with India, who's um, we're having problems with. Yes. And then you have Russia, you know, thrown in. They're not a huge population for the size of their landmass, but when you put all those three nations together. You're talking about well over a third of the world's population. If they decide to band together and stop recognizing the U.S. currency as the world reserve currency, the world as we know it changes.
0: Yeah, so this also lines up with the Great Reset as well, because part of it is eliminating the dollar as the reserve currency. And so China is hugely benefiting from all these companies pulling out their businesses and services from Russia. There was a story like as soon as, you know, Visa and MasterCard left, they turned to Chinese banks or and this idea of setting up the Chinese currency as the World Reserve. And then India formerly has hated China and they have not gotten along. But now some things with us, they're worried about sanctions. And so now a Chinese um Foreign minister came out and said india and china should be friends setting up you know for them to turn to china for services and banking and all of that
1: right we have everybody looks at all these different separate components and how to address them it's like a lot of things in life we look at all these various parts when there's really one core issue um the only way that you deal with all of this is to go after china China is the number one is our number one focus we should seek to limit their economic power in the world as much as we possibly can that's the only way that that this gets turned around um, it's not by picking off parts of the of the overall you know tree you know Russia here India there uh, it's going after China and we i I still think we have the ability to do that by By the regulations that we put on our companies, if you're going to do business in China, then here's the things that you got to do. I have no problem making it possibly um, worth their while of getting out of China. We need to hammer them in 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 every way possible about accountability for their treatment uh, of, you know, the Uyghurs, um, the Wu flu, all of these things. We need to just hammer them and not back down, not be ashamed, not be embarrassed about calling them out on these things to put them in a negative light, hurt them economically. That is the way that you go after China. And then everybody else, you know, is falls into place. But it's possible. I just don't. But it's going to depend on our leadership
0: why a couple things one is why don't we and we talked about this a little bit last week about we say that they're the greatest threat but we always make russia the boogeyman right. not china so why don't we do these things and then two this also seems like a little bit of uh, a catch-22 for the uh, world economic free er, forum and the klaus Schwab George Soros people because on one hand they are kind of using NATO and that those like western they need to get all these Eastern countries over to that like partnering with the Western to take over you know the global so they so they have interest in you know and they have interest in bringing countries like Ukraine into like the more of the western ideals and uh even though they're altering those ideals not western like america's founding ideals um but into nato so that they can get more power over more portions of the world and also stopping people like um dictators like putin who would who you know see those people as a threat to their power and would put up a fight but wouldn't china be like that too yes but they also are using china for now
1: yes and that's the question of Let's just say that this Grace Great Reset... Eventually,
0: effort. China is going to be opposed to... They're not going to want to be part of the world government exactly. unless they are the world government.
1: Exactly. You, you nailed but it. But they're that is using a,
0: them for now to bring us down from power or... Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You're, you're, you're right on. Um, this Great Reset, let's say it... it we do not get leaders elected in this country uh, to to start step up and doing what needs to be done, and the Great Reset continues to move forward. At some point, you're going to come to a, a cross in the road where China and the um, say the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset people, this elite class uh, that wants to have the one world you know leadership of, with them in charge, they're going to come to loggerheads and the question is who's going because you're right china is not going to be subservient to anyone or any organization or any nation they that's not even possible so the question is is does klaus schwab and that bunch feel the same way uh and so you'll have this big big clash or will they are they willing to settle to you know to just just under the top tier and work with China so that they can maximize their their power. The World Economic Forum, well, I don't know, I, I, but that's yeah. You're right. It, um, who's going to win out, or is the World Economic yeah, Forum willing to subserve, you know, to take second fiddle to China because it, because it, it, there's so much to be well, gained by scary. it? Yeah.
0: And so they're leveraging the crisis for the monetary reasons we talked about, but also for their. It also helps them in their. Uh, you know, fight climate change agenda and pushing everything that that we're being told right now about why oil how like, oh, what we need to do to um, to stop Russia and to prevent this from ever happening again is go, you know, all green because and that's what Saki and the White House and all that are telling us Green energy and we need to increase spending or development in green energy and go buy a Tesla and all of this. Just helps push that line along
1: yeah wasn't it interesting to hear elon musk the the head of the by far best electronic car company, electric car company, you know uh say uh, we need more oil I mean if that shit doesn't yeah. tell you something i don't know i don't know what to say
0: well, all those cars are produced using oil, and interesting i i I'm not saying that they orchestrated this conflict in Ukraine. But just at the time that, you know, just worked out for them, just at the time that COVID, the COVID crisis was waning, and they we already talked about how they leveraged that crisis, another crisis came up again for them to leverage.
1: Do you want to run through a quick, very quick checklist of all the non-green issues with green transportation?
0: Well, do you mean like the fact that the all the components or, you know, everything got, that goes into producing the car is Dirty. made using oil, natural gas, coal. Right. The, uh, when you plug that into, charge it up, well, where's that energy coming from in America? Mostly
1: coal. Natural
0: gas, coal. When the batteries, I don't know exactly, but to dispose of the batteries is like a nuclear hazard, right? Yeah,
1: it's environmental waste at, at a high level. You're also um, mining rare earth minerals uh, that are right for the lithium is very dirty uh, in the guess process where, and guess it where comes there are out huge of, China. of lithium? Well a lot of it's coming out a lot of the rare stuff they need is coming out of China.
0: Was I am I crazy that I heard Ukraine
1: Well that too, yes. But there is rare so, I mean some of the rarer so stuff. It's another that, reason
0: that we would want to fight
1: right and um to
0: for yeah the
1: manufacturer of a of a electric car battery produces the equivalent of running an internal combustion engine for eight years. Another thing that they don't tell you is now the, the, Teslas don't really have this issue, but some of the, like the Chevy Volt and them when it's cold out, they don't charge very well oh, yeah. and it reduces their range by like a third. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, I mean, even the idea that I'm plugging this in to get it charged almost exclusively by coal and then the rest by natural gas. And the stuff that you think it's coming off of some windmill grid just is almost unmeasurable how small uh, that contributes.
0: And we have no way of storing that as of yet, storing that kind of um, power. So when it's not windy or sunny out.
1: The only thing that's unique about the electric car i mean i'm not saying i'm not opposed to them but don't tell me it's some environmental you know great environmental breakthrough that's going to save the environment um because by the time i go spend one i can buy a decent internal combustion engine car and i and the difference and over the life of that car i might pay spend the amount in gas of what it cost me the difference to go buy a tesla um but the only thing that's really amazing about them is the technology on them, and mostly it's the it's the power. I mean, the power and speed that you can get from them has to be dialed back and controlled, because it's so powerful and so instantaneous, uh, it can just blow away the the best internal combustion engine. You think you got some big hot rod? Uh, you know, an electric engine will yeah, blow you blow that, you away. Yeah. So, other than that, I mean, it's just. It is what it is. It's not, saving, it's not saving the world. One thing I want to bring up in this whole idea of your increased gas prices, I want to put this right off the bat. What we see happening, there's not an instant... There is an instantaneous response in the market to prices, but it's not because of supply and demand. Most things are driven by supply and demand. That's what sets prices. But that's not the case in oftentimes in like the gas and oil market because it's a futures market. And that's the way it is with a lot of commodities. Um, It's what do you think is going to happen a year from now three years from now five years from now that's what's driving those prices when Jen gets up and says well the Keystone pipeline wouldn't matter because it's going to take you know a long some period of time to complete it yet and then to carry start carrying product through that's several years down the road at the earliest that's not going to to affect it that's not how this works these things are being priced on oil companies saying, "Will we be able to deliver? What does the future look like? What are the prices going to be like? What is our capacity going to be like? What's our ability to go out and discover? Where where are we? Are we keeping Exxon Mobil or whatever? Are we still, uh, you know, in good shape as a company five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now? What's our future? It's not about what's just being sucked out of the ground today, not at all. Not I mean, it's just not." honest when she talks like that. It's just not honest. She said, well, you know, the Keystone XL Pipeline is not, refi- not a an oil field. Well, you know what else isn't an oil field? A refinery is not an oil field, but we wouldn't have gasoline if we didn't have refineries. To act like it's not a part of, these things are not a necessary part of all the comp- you know, component of all of the system to make it happen is just, it's just disingenuous. And I'm being generous in saying, using that term.
0: I don't know why you're surprised. It's not like she's ever honest up there.
1: Well, I have a question for you about her. I'm just curious. This is a little parenthetical comment here. Is she really good at her job or really bad at her job?
0: Oh, that is a very interesting proposition.
1: She lies with such ease. It's just – I. that makes me think, man, she's really good at this. She can get up there and just – say anything and it just flows out of her so quick and so easy and so effortless well yeah
0: i guess if well to answer that question then you have to ask what is the purpose of the white house press secretary right and
1: and i was gonna say if if it's to deceive (laughs) the people of america of what's going on then she's bad at her job because well
0: her job is to put out the message that the uh to communicate the message that the administration wants right. to be communicated. But you have
1: to do it in a way that isn't so it's a bold-faced lie that everybody can tell, don't you? That's why I think maybe she's bad at her job, even though she does it so because effortlessly. We know she's lying? Yeah.
0: They, they Except would,
1: that they would nobody they're
0: accountable, so. Right.
1: They would prefer, though, that she lie in a way that we all sit here and don't go, oh, she's lying. Right. So I don't know if she's bad or she's good. <laughs> but she certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't bother her well how about this she's doesn't bad her, and, but
0: because they have the media in their back pocket they make her seem like she's good at it because they don't challenge her
1: right you're right about and that so then the
0: people who don't actually question yeah
1: you're right about that they just those people the in the mainstream media that just
0: they make her a lot better at her job than she is
1: right that is true you know along with um our discussions on oil gas prices china russia all these things um i want to bring up one thing i've been wanting to talk about for a while and i'll try to i'll do it really quickly and that's something called modern monetary theory Modern monetary theory which is what uh, our current administration uh, is trying to move more and more in that direction they, they they believe it they want to practice it and that is this idea that we can just print all the money we need it's not about it's not about our gross domestic product it's not tied to you know our ability to um, produce and tax and all of those kind of things in order to ra- raise money for the treasury. Uh, it's not tied, obviously, any longer to a gold standard. We just print the money that we need. We all understand instinctively that's inflationary, too much money chasing too few goods, and there's no incentive to produce goods. Um, the problem, modern monetary theory, the best way I could summarize it is think old Soviet Union, old Soviet Union that controlled every they controlled every aspect of the economy, and That's what you'd have to do. In order to make modern monetary theory even remotely work, you have to control every aspect of the economy. We're going to print the money. We're going to tell you what you have to make. We're going to tell you how much of it to make. We're going to tell you what job to do. We're going to tell you how much tax to pay. We're going to tell you what the cost of the products and services are. You have to control all of it because none of it can be left to the free market. If you're going to operate under the modern monetary theory and you're going to get the Soviet Union, maybe some genius somewhere can do it a little bit better, but that's essentially what you're going to end up with. And, you, and the personal side of that is the people doing all of those jobs, there's zero incentive for you to do a good job because it's all being run by the government. And it's going to happen whether you do your job or not. That, that make any sense?
0: And this is just insane. Okay, so the Investopedia uh, <laughs> like article on it that we'll link, the opening just says, it's the, so basically, monetary theory is a heterodox macroeconomic framework that says, monetarily sovereign countries like the US, UK, Japan, and Canada, which spend, tax, and borrow in a fiat currency that they fully control are not operationally constrained by revenues when it comes to government or federal government spending. So literally just what you said, they're not like how much they spend has nothing to do with how much they produce, intake. Right. <laughs> that that just doesn't make any sense at all.
1: How engaged
0: Try to run your household like that.
1: Right. How engaged if you want again, what do you do about the rest of the world? How engaged was the old Soviet Union in commerce with the rest of the world? Not, not that it was zero, but there wasn't a lot because they didn't. They they were operating in a completely different system. You know, how much was the ruble worth?
0: They cannot go broke or be insolvent unless a political decision to do so is taken. That's the core principle. That's why they can do this. That's why they can just print money because they believe they cannot go broke or be insolvent unless a political decision to do so is taken.
1: But. How that might be true on paper, but how crappy can your life become living in that system? Yeah. Because let's say, you know, a loaf of bread costs $10,000. Well, the government might, they got the, theoretically, no problem. We'll just print a bunch more money and, you know, and you can, we'll give it to you and you can go down to the store and buy your loaf of bread. I don't want to have to take $10,000 to the gro- to this grocery, you know, to to buy a loaf of bread. And, and again, how do you do business with the rest of the world i mean i've traveled in other places of the world it 's great. you go in and you give them your dollar and they give you thirty pesos you give them yeah, you but give we me have a dollar no it's
0: give... value when yeah but what is the value of your currency when you're just printing it how do we know well
1: yeah. the the value of the American dollar, even though it's not tied yet to the gold it's tied to the productivity of the American economy and with modern monetary theory that productivity of the economy is greatly greatly decreased yeah um and this ties into something i was listening to uh, a gentleman named dan holloway he was an army airborne um infantryman served in iraq um as an enlisted guy even though he holds a bachelor's and master's degree uh his master's degree from penn state is in something like border security or something like that was really interesting he also worked then for for you know um Like border control agency, whatever they call it, immigration. Uh, He's a host. He does something called um, Drinking Bros Podcast. He was a part of Black Rifle Company for a while because he knew the guys that started it. Um, He worked for the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service for a while. And this, he said, was a turning point in him in his professional career. And this is his quote. I saw just how lazy, incompetent, and risk-averse people in government were. Now, lazy, incompetent and risk averse because you're because you're working within your, the bureaucracy and that's within a free market capitalist republic. Think about how much more disincentive there is for the worker within a modern monetary communist system. That's what you saw in the old Soviet Union. People in their jobs that they were assigned to and they could never be fired from, did nothing productive. Because the last part is the real kicker, risk averse. You do nothing that would cause attention to you that might somehow negatively affect you. You just stay out of the way and don't do anything and then you won't get in trouble.
0: Yeah, because your government just loves to punish anyone who goes outside the...
1: Well, think about the scapegoat. I mean, being a scapegoat. I was reading, um, I remember uh, Andrew Claven in his The Great Good Thing talked about how some grandpa or great-grandpa or great-uncle or whatever the story was, is that he was like the only Jew in town and when there was a big fire that was raging out of control, burning the whole city down, they, the, the city leaders met together and, and voted him as the, um, <laughs> as the fire chief so that they had, he was so he, they could blame a Jew. I mean, th- th- yeah, if, if you do something and they can use you and there's a problem, they're going to look for a scapegoat. So you're, you're, you're r- incredibly risk-averse. Don't ever put yourself in a position where that can happen. Right. Did you see the uh, Project Veritas video?
0: No. I have no idea what that's about.
1: I saw it today. So um, a Project Veritas journalist she must have been the old. you was know, as a lady. She went out to dinner with some uh, guy from okay, the yes. New York Times. Can I, Can
0: we pause on this sure. because my question in all of these is every time I watch these, like the FDA guy, I'm like, does he think that this is a date? And this is like this woman. This is what they're talking about. Like, what an he must be an idiot. I
1: do think they think it's a date.
0: That's what he talks about, and those are the things they say. Well.
1: If you, let's say, let's say you work for the I FDA mean, or you obviously, work for the New York Times. Obviously,
0: the journalist is egging that Exactly. You know, exactly. Baiting Ooh, them you down work that for the line, New
1: York but, Times?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Ooh, you work for the FDA? This is, you know, what? Yeah, but what's, I, what's,
0: I listened, like, in that one, some of the questions that she asked and, like, her tone, I was like, how does he not just see what she's doing right now?
1: How, who would ask because that? You're, because you're, what, you find somebody who's- a normal,
0: interested person would ask that?
1: Well, in the circles that they travel in, that would be – that probably is not uncommon conversation.
0: All right. Anyway, another one. They think they're on a date.
1: Yeah. uh, What is it?
0: Beautiful women are like Godzilla and there are thousands of fleeing Japanese. According to –
1: yeah, according to To Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza – beautiful woman and that like is why the, yeah.
0: project veritas gets so much information i guess
1: well some of the people they've had out there have been men but some of them are women yeah but this yeah. guy you know he made statements um that that he there were a, bu- a, a bunch of feds in the crowd on january 6th um that was the big that the big damning statement where yeah they there were a, a lot and i forget if you a lot. There was a lot. I forget the exact expression he used of feds in the crowds. <laughs> and the other one he said is all those congressmen that have made out and carried on about how scared, and how in danger were they were. He's like, they were never in danger. So this guy's a New York Times reporter. So I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And and I would agree. They never were. in. And, and yet when you think and he scoffed at the idea that they were ever in real danger and yet we have. A Capitol Hill policeman who who shot and killed somebody when nobody was really ever in danger—that's a little bit disconcerting.
0: Did you see the CPAC? Um, I did see that, Matt yeah. Schlapp. Yeah, I Schlapp's also
1: see that he was trying to backtrack comments. from it. Max Schlapp.
0: Max. Ma- Matt. Matt Max Schlapp. Schlapp. That's yeah. kind of hard to say. Yeah.
1: yeah. Matt Schlapp. Should be Max Slap. <laughs> um Yeah, but I also saw he was trying to backtrack from it, you know,
0: from the pro life thing, or yeah
1: of of, yeah, of of the way that because well, he sent it, he no... sent it out as a tweet.
0: Oh, the the Leah Thomas thing.
1: Yes, yes, so the there Leah was two Thomas things. thing.
0: So first, he tweeted out about Leah Thomas, the transgender, the male swimmer on UPenn's women's team that's like gonna swim at the NCA finals and. All this stuff is destroying women and he tweeted out and and there's like there's truth and not in the tweet on that like so he tweeted uh an article and said
1: uh
0: no matter what no uh no matter what one thinks of leah's ability to swim with the women her story deserves our compassion it will be interesting to hear leah's point of view in 30 years And most people's issue, I think, is not with the, of course, everyone deserves our compassion. And I have compassion for someone who really is struggling with their identity and their gender and is going through that. But I think the issue is, like, that he called, he referred to Leah Thomas as her and um, when, you know, like he was giving credence to his desire to be a woman and my ability to identify as a woman and all of this.
1: Right. His Yeah, his yeah. his story, whatever they phrase they use. I, yeah. I will say the one you know again, I'm completely opposed to the idea of somebody who is uh, has all the genetic makeup of a male that gives you the physical advantage. Right, of that's competing. the bigger issue right. here.
0: It's not about L- Leah Thomas's uh personal internal struggles. It's the fact that In living his delusion, he is taking away and harming all of these women who have worked their entire lives to be where they are.
1: I I just always wonder about, too, is I always have to question the sincerity of the person because Leah Thompson still has his junk. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're committed it, to this, apparently
0: it is seen in the women's yeah, locker room. He
1: apparently walks around the, walks around the yeah, shower yeah. room naked um, with the girls. Um, if you're really that serious about it, then come then show me. You you can't right. walk around with male genitalia and tell me that you're a woman.
0: Yeah, we can have. Yes, we we have compassion for all of these people, but we also where's the compassion for the woman that. Um, right, I want whose I want to get being, and achievements are being
1: destroyed. Right. I want I want anybody suffering this to get the the legitimate psychiatric help that they need to deal with their gender dysphoria. I find that to be more compassionate in the long run over the totality of their life than simply giving them drugs and surgery.
0: So that was one. That was why he first made the news, and then he also. CPAC that just happened this year there was no CPAC historically has always had you know some kind of speaker or panel that was pro-life and this year there was no there was no conversation like basically they ignored the issue of abortion and so people asked him about it and he said something about saying that all of our as conservatives you know all of our content or all of our speakers all this should be should have a pro-life you know, message behind it, and also this idea of we have people here and welcome people um, into CPAC who aren't um, who are pro-abortion or whatever or pro-choice and he used all this language and he said not about not checking you might not check all the boxes of conservatism but you can but we still have you here and you some people we had people here who um were you know conservatives independents people who just like trump people who just don't like socialism and are figuring out what they are and that was his comment and sure you'd be welcome at cpac but why can't we also educate them on pro-life issues while they're there
1: yeah um to be conservative, you have to be conserving. You have to be conserving something, and I can't think of anything more fundamental than conserving life. That is the most basic, fundamental thing that we have is our life, and so I don't know how aborting uh, babies conserves life. Um, I also want to just say this: I I want to move away as much as I can. Anybody out there that would listen to me, stop using the word pro life. I'm not that. That's a universal term. All life. No, there is. There are some lives that need to end. Um, I'm anti-abortion. I'm not pro-life. I'm anti-abortion.
0: Well, I, I think you could say what that pro-life is. You also. And his statements saying that everything that we should do should be pro-life gets into the arguments that people use of, well, then you should be pro-free childcare and government handouts and you know free college and all this stuff being supporting you know from right. womb to tomb.
1: Speaking of free college, what does this moratorium on repaying um, college loans is that that we've been under since COVID? is that repaying the the principal on the loan or is that only applied to that credit uh, interest is not being accumulated? Do you know?
0: I don't have student loans.
1: Yeah, I know, but I thought maybe you'd read something. <laughs> um, no. I'm not sure either, but I just, I don't understand what, what COVID has to do with any of that. Um, so, and I don't understand where the federal government has the authority to just arbitrarily say, Oh, we're not, you know, we're not, re- we're not removing the pause, which apparently they're under a pause. Um, just like they wouldn't remove, just like they wouldn't. Um,
0: the eviction eviction moratorium,
1: moratorium. even though the yeah. Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional, they're like, oh, we don't care, we're gonna do it anyways. That's so we've we've been down that road. But I just want to say, I'm 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 not pro life. I'm I'm anti abortion.
0: You know, and unfortunately, it seems like. If that is the conservative movement, if we are identifying it with Matt Schlapp and what he does at CPAC, then the conservative movement is moving away from us. And as Christians, this is where we have to get down to, well, that's my first identity and that's my first. So if the conservative movement moves, then I don't know I, I don't know what the word for me is anymore, but it's not that.
1: Well, in the 80s, the... So-called conservative movement, they really wanted to move away from the from the pro-life position. They they really wanted to. They just they thought that abortion, um, you know, the 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 anti-abortion stance was just killing the conservative movement. And I think that what we've seen over the last thirty now to forty years is that they are wrong. They're yeah, wrong. Look
0: what happens when you capitulate?
1: Yeah, and not only that, there's a lot more people that are against abortion than what they used to think that there was. Because they listened to it's the same it's the same Karen it's they were listening to the Karen's of the day. The people that we lay that no, seriously, that's who that's who was driving that. These these upper middle class white suburban women who were, you know, complaining to their husbands about this idea that they shouldn't be able to get abortions. That and that those are Th- those were the Karens of the day, and they were driving that whole idea that conservatives needed to get needed to get away from a, a you know anti-abortion stance. That's what happens when you get old and you've been around long enough to have seen all this.
0: There's nothing new under the sun.
1: I haven't found it yet. Got anything funny to end on?
0: No, I would talk. My happy thing would be baseball, but you don't agree you don't share it so i don't know if it's something i don't
1: it's not that i have any issue with baseball it's just i don't really care enough when they play a game i'll watch it for entertainment if it interests me but other than that Ah, well
0: then i am happy that we're recording this on thursday march 10th and a few hours ago the major league baseball and the players association have agreed to a deal now it's not in writing yet but so there will be baseball tentatively opening day april 7th I'm very happy about that. So, what was I'm going to go to a new park this year?
1: What was the union wanting, and what did they get?
0: Oh, I closed that page, but um, part of it was an increase in the minimum salaries, um, more opportunity to go to um, like free agency sooner, so that you could renegotiate your deals. Uh, the so the owners for a long time have manipulated the the playing time or the. What's that? That's not what it's called, but you know where they'll send guys up, bring guys right. up, but then send them back down so that they
1: so that they stay just they, underneath they the minimum required. Cheap, yeah,
0: they can keep them cheaper or longer. Yeah, um, manipulating service time. That's the anyway. So they wanted a way to like so there's a limit of the amount of times you can call guys, like send guys, option them up and down. Now, um, the I don't know. I don't remember.
1: I'd be curious as to know what used to be the free agency threshold and what and what it is now because it seemed to me it used to be like around five years before you could be a free agent
0: yeah here i'm gonna click the
1: and i don't think that that's terribly bad also
0: universal dh was normal postseason ex, season post expansion so that was for the owners uh they banned the shift and they changed the pitch clock to speed the game up
1: so the postseason expansion, they're going to be more postseason.
0: Most, yeah. So more revenue so, is the idea for. So we're
1: going to the end the up. We're going to w- wrap up baseball around Thanksgiving now.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know.
1: Or Are they going to cut back so, on the number?
0: pre-arbitration? Pre-arbitration bonus pool got raised fifty million. The minimum salary increases. The col- collective bargaining tax. Oh, so that's like basically like the luxury tax. Yeah. In. So that's kind of like a salary. It's an unofficial salary cap,
1: right. so they
0: raise the unofficial salary cap.
1: Well, you know that yeah. you know that the owners aren't going to cut back on the 162-game schedule. They're not going to give up regular season no, games. No, so there is
0: still going to be 100. And, and then, they say they're going to they're still gonna, pull off this year 160. And then they're games.
1: going to expand playoff baseball. So how does it not go longer?
0: Yeah, it's like an extra series, basically. Unless
1: you're not going to you, – you know what? You could do that as long as you didn't play in the team's stadiums. You know, like if you're from Milwaukee,
0: right? It's not everywhere.
1: Well, because I guess can, they're indoor. Yeah. But if you have, if you're a northern outdoor stadium, and you're in, in November's, the, you can't play there. You got to go play yeah. in Miami or something. That'd be miserable to play baseball when it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: I mean, I've practiced in snow before. When we did like pre, but like before the season started, practicing in snow, it's not. It's not wonderful.
1: No. No, I I can remember actually in junior high. Uh, it started snowing you know, during a baseball the game. It, it, it started snowing during the game and it snowed enough that we had school was canceled the, the next day. And that's back oh, when it, wow. that's back when it took some snow in order to cancel.
0: Like hitting the ball when it's just like fall chilly. Yeah, and I and, if you don't hit it on the barrel, right. like right on the sweet spot, it hurts. And we, I can't imagine hitting on the, the barrel. And we had never seen a,
1: a we had never seen a batting glove when I was in school. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, now they have even little things that you put on your thumb, little pads. Yeah, that go there. Yeah, keep it
1: from vibrating. It's that
0: bone on your right, that bone on your thumb. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, I start softball. Uh, the end of the month we start our season here.
1: Well, oh yeah, well, but you guys still have cold weather. You'll you get some cold games, I bet, at night.
0: Yeah, we actually get cold games at both ends. Like so, we don't. They don't do. We did fall ball this year which is like a shorter one and that got there were some games that were pretty cold and then they do a season in the winter called deep freeze i was like hard pass i am not playing deep freeze
1: california (laughs) when i when i was playing out there we played year round they played year round um although a lot of a lot of places though would take off like that that summer season would last wrap up late, you know, midsummer or so, so that everybody had time off vacation time, and then they picked it back up at the end of the summer. Yeah, so Yeah, it's was, hard
0: enough. It's when you play co-ed, it's hard enough to have enough females when you're not, people aren't going on vacation and all that stuff. So right. it's hard to get your team together. I guess that's all I got. Unless you got, you don't really care about NFL, so.
1: I don't even know what's going on. Did, did, uh, did Russell Wilson, people. did Russell Wilson?
0: Denver, got moved to Denver. I thought I saw
1: something like that. So.
0: The AFC West was already stacked. Now it is really stacked, top to bottom. I don't. I don't think there's a better.
1: So who's better. Pete? Who, who's what's Seattle no doing for a quarterback?
0: That's what everyone's talking. Well, if they about don't right have now. a quarterback, so you're going to find Locke out. Wh- is not the answer. Yeah,
1: you're going to find out yeah. what kind of a coach uh, Pete Carroll really is. And I don't. Everyone, I don't think with, it's all. you are going to realize
0: how much Russell was carrying that yes. team. Yeah,
1: you know some of these teams that I've watched over the years that have these really phenomenal quarterbacks, and they don't give them really many other weapons because the quarterback is able to make everybody else so much better. Um, If if Peyton Manning, well, if he had he had a few key good players, but a lot of times he wasn't doing much. Tom Brady, again. He played with some really, really mediocre teams that he mediocre made guys. really, yeah. really good. Um, but New England had uh, a, a history of not paying people. So,
0: hey, here's one. I watched the Joe Montana like docu series on Peacock.
1: Uh huh.
0: I'd never obviously I didn't really know much about that, and I wasn't around and watching football. It was it was cool. He was. I didn't realize how good. And like what his career was really like until I sat down and watched that.
1: Until Tom Brady came along, he was acknowledged. Oh, hands down. as the the goat. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and I, he was very very good. I don't. He's
0: such a Know what I think of Tom him Brady. as a
1: person? Yeah. I don't. I never have been able to get a good read on him because you you don't hear much from him. And what I have heard at times, he I like thought was kind of yeah. Uh,
0: I mean it seems like he yeah, enjoyed the celebrity life at the beginning for sure. I did not know he's like super good friends with Huey Lewis in the news. Oh really? And that song.
1: It's Hip to Be Square.
0: Yeah, that's that's Joe Montana really? and a bunch of um and a bunch of other 49ers singing that hip,
1: hip, hip yeah. so hip to be square.
0: Huh. That's yeah, that's Joe Montana.
1: <laughs> I tell you who I know this would be unpopular, who I really never cared for and that was um Walsh, their coach. Just mm. never Bill Walsh never really liked him. Well, the way he
0: handled the whole thing, yeah, even in a, the, I was like, hey, a super
1: manipulative person. Yeah, I mean, he's just, yeah. yeah, so
0: you can tell that just by the way he handled Montana and Steve Young.
1: I will say this about the now, some years back they did a all time top one hundred uh, NFL players and they came out with shockingly, uh, I thought these were football players Jerry Rice as the as the all time greatest. player football player not that he wasn't tough going over the middle and all that kind of stuff but to me when I think football I think of maybe even more than one phase anybody wants to is interested this go back and look it up Sammy Ball is the best football player of all time
0: he did it all a
1: quarterback a defensive back and a punter he was about the the leader (laughs) in every one of those categories so I don't know how you top that
0: yeah well, they would just say, well, if you put him in today's game. Yeah, but he didn't grow up with all the well, knowledge in today's game. You also you know, weren't throwing
1: and, a pumpkin.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. You ever
1: see the football those guys pass? And
0: playing with, like, what are your pads? Like, what you're wearing in your helmet. Like, a hat.
1: I'm also, too, I'm sorry. As soon as you go into being the best, like, in two phases of the game instead of just one phase of the game, I'm sorry. That's end of discussion. I don't care what era you played in, you at your time you were the best in you know two and in his case almost three areas of the game. I, I don't care what area area he played in at that point, point. and he was a real passer. He he was a reg- legitimate down yeah. the field four yardage passer back e- even in that back day then. And age. Yes, throwing a pumpkin, a watermelon.
0: You know the, how they always measure the quarterback's hands at the combine, and it's like a big deal. Yeah. And they say, like, he small – okay, my hands after – so Kenny Pickett's hands measured really small, and it was, like, this big deal in the media for a couple days. So I thought, oh, I'm going to measure my hands. My hands are bigger than Kenny Pickett's. I got nine-inch hands. I would just say – there's some, there's some NFL quarter, starting quarterbacks with nine-inch hands.
1: If I saw a quarterback in the NFL that had, you know, hands that were definitely on the small side, I, it would be a concern yeah. to me.
0: Yeah. Well, then, of course, people were photoshopping him with like little baby hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, I mean, but you also, I mean, he played in pit, he played outside in cold weather, but he did have a bit of a fumble. But
1: problem. how much is he good? But yeah, and then think about being changed by chased around by NFL linemen and linebackers.
0: Also true. I mean, that's, true. that's a
1: different thing. I, if my thing, I, I think that um, Roger Goodell has freakishly small hands for a man his size. So that'd be kind of my standard. <laughs> if your hands are smaller than Roger Goodell's, we're not drafting you.
0: Oh, Donald Trump is the one with small hands, right? That's the... Yeah, they
1: say that, but I've, I, don't, I haven't noticed that. I noticed it on Roger Goodell. Yeah.
0: You just really don't like that. I yet. really,
1: really don't. I think that he and Urban Meyer would make great roommates. How,
0: how many episodes are going to end the same way with talking about what? Roger Goodell and Urban Meyer being slimy and
1: <laughs> gross? Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself.